Well, it is a blessing to be here. Uh, we've been praying for Pastor with his loss of his dad, and uh, our hearts break over that, and we're begging God to encourage him and Mary and strengthen them, and we know that uh, the Lord will do that, and uh, we love him, and I, I appreciate him because he's stayed strong and steady and faithful all these years of ministry, and he's certainly a blessing to me, and I know he's a blessing to you. Uh, most of you know my favorite wife, <laughs> Patricia, and uh, I'm glad she's with me today. So I want to tell you this. Jesus Christ is coming back. Isn't that wonderful? What a marvelous promise he gave us. He said, I am coming back. And I'm grateful for that. I look forward to that. And I believe that, obviously, that is nearer than ever. And one of the reasons that we can say that is because while there are no signs to look for that would say, oh, that happened, therefore Jesus is coming, whatever, there's no signs for the rapture. No signs in advance to look for. But what can we look for? We can look for those things happening in the world that point us in the direction of the time of tribulation, the time of judgment, the time of unbelievable wickedness. And we're living in a time of incredible wickedness, more wicked than, than ever before. I heard a brief video the other day. A lady was being interviewed. She's an uppity something in Britain. But she made this statement, and she was not... She was not believing the statement. She was telling us of the view of liberalism, the radical left, as she called it today. And she said, the radical left are saying that truth is a right-wing concept. Now think about that. Truth is a right-wing concept. Because the left no longer has any standards of truth. And it is especially manifested in what's happening with transgenderism and, and some of that wicked, wicked, crazy stuff. And um, because they, they say, well, there is no truth. For a while, the liberals said, well, you have your truth and I have my truth. Now they don't believe in any truth. <laughs> but there's only one truth, and that's the truth of God. And everything that you and I believe, every opinion that we have, everything that we hear needs to be taken to the Word of God, and on the basis of what the Bible says, we evaluate it. Is this true? Is it false? And we're living in a world where there's an awful lot of untruth. And it is dominating. It's being forced upon us. Well, we want to stand against those things. Uh, and in the midst of standing against them, however, we have this ever-wonderful hope right here. He is coming back i'm glad i'm glad for that so i want you to take your bible and open to first thessalonians chapter one is where we're going to start and then we're going to get to that very familiar passage in chapter four but i want us to think about this wonderful truth when you have arrived at first thessalonians one kind of glance this way i'll know you're there and we'll pray all right, good. Let's pray together. 
Our Father, we give you thanks for your word, for your truth, for your blessings, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. And how we thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you that he died for us. And we indeed thank you that someday he's coming again. And I pray that you would use your word in our lives today to encourage us and to strengthen us and to give us greater conviction to live for you in a day when the world is just getting worse and worse. We'll thank you. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here today who has never been saved, that this would be the day that they would come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. We'll thank you. We pray and ask your blessings on us, and then we would not close without praying for Pastor and Mary and asking you to bless them in very, very special ways as they are away and as by your grace they'll soon return. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The church at Thessalonica was a good church. It was a strong church. Paul had gone to the city of Thessalonica, and he did not minister there very long. If you got to Acts chapter 17, you would see his ministry there and the starting of that church. And he was only there a brief time, but some incredible things happened that are alluded to in this first chapter. And Paul taught them. He taught them a lot of truth, and they got hold of it, and it changed their lives. And by the way, there's something wrong with somebody who says they're saved, but their life hasn't changed. When you get saved, your life changes. And so Paul is writing to encourage them. And I want to pick up in verse 8 of chapter 1. Because he's writing to these believers. And he says to them, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. So he's talking to them as a church. He said to this church, you know, from you, the word of God sounded out. And he goes on and says this, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, those regions where Thessalonica could be found, but he says, but also in every place, your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. Now, that church had a testimony. He said, we don't have to tell people about you. Everybody knows about you. Everybody knows about your testimony as a church because the the truth has sounded out from you. And what a testimony that church had. But he says, and we're going to see it in a moment, the people can see the impact of, that we had when you came to the Lord. And so he describes it in this way. Look at verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and, number one, how ye turned to God from idols. That's the first thing they did. They heard the gospel, and they turned to God from idols. Now, in our country, we don't have much of the idolatry of little statues, you know, in people's houses. We do in Roman Catholicism. You have that kind of thing. 
but we don't have a lot of that kind of thing in in our country but it was very prevalent back then but you know we do have idolatry in our country and the idolatry of the united states is this when we worship or adore or believe in or trust in anything or anyone other than jesus christ churches don't save some people think oh my church will save me it's as if they're worshiping the church no church can save anybody no organization can save anybody baptism cannot save anybody taking communion cannot save anybody being a good person cannot save anybody and anything that you are trusting in to save you is really an idol you are worshiping that you are counting on that you are trusting in that and paul says to these people you turned to god from idols now that's what happened to you if you're saved you came to the point where you turned away from everything else that you trusted in everything else you hoped in and you put your faith in jesus christ alone that's the only way you get saved and if you're sitting here today, yeah, but I was baptized. I'm glad you were, but that didn't do anything toward your salvation, right? I try to live a good life. I'm glad you're trying to live a good life. That does nothing toward your salvation. In fact, you don't get saved if you're holding on to anything else but Jesus Christ. And when you reject everything else and turn to him, that's when you get saved. And if you're here today and you've not done that, that's what you need to do reject everything else but him that's what happened to these people they turn from their idols they turn to god now look secondly he says this how you turn to god from idols now look to serve to serve the living and true god that's what you and i are supposed to do and that's what became the evidence to the regions around them hey these people meant business because they're not only saying they got saved, they're serving. They're active. They're busy. They're testifying. And that's what you and I are supposed to do. And it's good that we are here. We should gather, shouldn't we? The church should gather. Gather Sunday morning. Gather Sunday night. Gather Wednesday night. You have Wednesday night prayer meeting? Is it, or that, that's the night? Okay. We, we should gather. And that's good. We gather to be fed and to be encouraged and be strengthened. But then we also have to serve outside of this building. By talking to other people about Christ. So then he says this. You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And look at verse 10. And to wait. That term means to wait with expectation. Some things you and I wait for and we're not very excited about them. But this is something you wait for and you're excited about it. And that's kind of the idea of this term. To wait, wait for what? Wait for his son. We're waiting for his son from heaven. That's where he is. Whom he raised from the dead. Praise the Lord for that. Even Jesus, which delivered us already past tense we're already delivered from the wrath god's wrath is going to come from the wrath to come now that's what happened to them and that should be what happened 
to us. We got saved by turning to God from anything else, turned to the Lord Jesus, believed on Him. We started serving. We're living for Him. We're testifying for Him. And we are living, waiting with anticipation for His Son, the Lord Jesus, to come from heaven. And He's coming. He's coming. He could come at any time. He could come at any moment. And there won't be any advance notice. Paul wrote that it will take place in the twinkling of an eye. Any idea how long it takes an eye to twinkle? I don't mean just a blink of the eye. The twinkle of the eye. That's when I look at my wife and I, my eyes twinkle when I see her. Twinkle. General Electric, I am told, did a study on how fast an eye twinkles. And they said it twinkles in one one hundred thousandth of a second. That's pretty quick. And that's what we read in the twinkling of an eye. Jesus Christ is coming back. Well, now go with me to chapter 4. And Paul says, I want to read verse 13 and then kind of give you some understanding of, of why he wrote these verses. In verse 13 of chapter 4, he said this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, the Bible uses the term asleep to speak of the death of a Christian. So he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those Christians who have died. He says this, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Let me tell you what I think happened. Paul went to this church. Paul ministered to this church. People got saved. The church started. And they were serving and waiting with anticipation for Christ to come back. And he didn't come back right away. And in fact, what happened is believers started dying. And it seems evident that these believers, these new believers at Thessalonica said, well, we were looking for Jesus to come from heaven and he hasn't come. And here we've got people dying. What's going to happen to them? That's why he writes chapter 4. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them who have passed away, those believers who have passed away. He said, because I don't want you to sorrow. We do sorrow when we lose a loved one, don't we? It's okay to sorrow. But he said, but I don't want you to sorrow as those that have no hope. And so he says, let me tell you what's going to happen. And this is good for us. This is what's going to happen. Verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. I hope you believe that. That's foundational for Christianity, right? The Lord Jesus died and praise the Lord on the third day he arose from the dead. So he says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So someday the Lord Jesus is coming back 
And you know this, Paul said that for the Christian, when you die, you will be absent from your body, right? You're going to leave your body. So here's your body. You're going to leave it. This is not me. This is just the body I travel around in. And you've got yours. But the real you lives inside this body. And when you die, the real you, your soul, leaves your body, and your body is dead and going to be buried, right? So these believers that had died themselves went to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what Paul said. So right now there are loads and loads and loads of people who are in heaven. Saved people. People who got saved from the day of Pentecost to the present. Because this is the church age. So watch what he says. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also would sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? So when the Lord Jesus, who we're waiting for from heaven, when he comes from heaven... All the believers of the church age who are in heaven are coming with them. That's going to be quite an event. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, that's us right now, right? Here we are. We're alive, we're remaining, we're still here. He said, well, those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. If you and I are still living, when the Lord comes back, we will not. And then if you have a King James Version, you see the word prevent. That's an old English word that means really to go before. Pre means before. Vent, advent, go he says, we will not prevent, we will not go before them which are asleep. I say, well, what's that mean? Well, there are bodies in the grave. And praise the Lord, there's going to be a resurrection. But you and I who are still alive when the Lord Jesus comes, we're not gone before those who are in the grave. Now, there's two aspects to the dead Christian, right? Again, soul and spirit in heaven, body in the grave. Verse 16. For the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus, not another, not an angel, the Lord himself, Jesus Christ himself, right now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, but he's going to leave there, and he's going to come back. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Aren't you glad there's a place called heaven? And that's where he is. He is going to descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And boy, when that happens, this is that twinkling of an eye experience. When that happens, look, the dead in Christ shall rise first. I want you to get the picture. 
You and I are living here waiting for the Lord to come back. Why? Come today. He's going to come back. When the Lord Jesus does come back, he's bringing all the church age believers. I'm going to emphasize that in a moment. He's bringing all the church age believers with him. They're up there with him right now. But when he comes back, we've got all these people who have died and gone to heaven, but their bodies are in the grave somewhere. And then he says this, and the dead in Christ, I'm going to explain that in a moment, the dead in Christ shall rise first, resurrection. And when that takes place, here comes a body out of the grave. It'll happen so quick you and I won't see it. But it's going to come out of the grave, and here's the spirit and soul, and this is going to be a new body, a transformed body, is going to meet the soul and spirit, and they are going to be whole again in a glorified body. Just like that. Oh, my gracious. It's going to happen. Now, I want you to notice it says the dead. Look at the term. In Christ. There are some people teach that at the rapture, all the dead from all ages are going to rise from the dead. That's not true. It's not what it says. It says the dead in Christ. If you're saved, here's something that happened to you the day you got saved. You didn't feel it happened. You probably didn't know what happened. I sure didn't know what happened to me. But when you get saved, the Spirit of God takes you and puts you into the body of of Christ, which is the church. Now, you see, that never happened until the day of Pentecost. Remember, the Lord Jesus said, I will build my church. And the church started on the day of Pentecost. And this marvelous work of God, the Holy Spirit, putting us in Christ, in the church, that all started on the day of Pentecost. And you and I are living in the church age. And so those who are resurrected at the rapture, we're going to talk about that term in a moment, but those who are resurrected at the rapture are going to be the dead in Christ who are going to join with us. And the day of the rapture will be the first day ever that the whole church, the whole body of Christ, will meet together. Ever sing that song here? There's going to be a meeting in the air. You ever sing that here? Boy, if you don't, you need to. I'd like to sing it for you, but I can't remember all the words. But it says, there's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. I'm going to meet you. Meet you over there in the whatever it is. I can't remember the rest of the words. Do you know a little. She's not telling you the truth. She knows it a lot. She knows it. That's what's going to happen. Now. So he goes on. Look. Verse 17. The Lord comes back. The dead in Christ come with him. Soul and spirit. In that moment of time. The dead bodies are raised from the dead, just like the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. They're raised from the dead. They're going to join their soul and spirit. They're going to be a whole human being again, just like that. 
Verse 17. Then, then, once that takes place, then we which are alive and remain. That's the whole message of Paul. The whole message of Paul is this for the church. He said, listen, there's going to be a generation of Christians who will not die. There's going to be a whole generation. That's what he's talking about. A whole generation who will never die. And I'd like to be part of that generation. Wouldn't you? If not, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with you. If I die, I know I'm going to heaven, but I don't really look forward to dying. Well, I'd love to be part of that when the day the Lord Jesus comes back. That's something. So then, that's a time word. Then, the next thing, then we which are alive and remain shall be, look at the term, we're going to talk about it for a few moments, caught up. Caught up. Now, that's the rapture. Now, if you've ever talked to people about the rapture, you might have had somebody say, well, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. And you know what? It's true. You can't find the word rapture in the Bible. And I want to tell you why. About the 4th century, there was a fellow named Jerome who translated the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into Latin. Latin. And the Latin term for this phrase, caught up, the Latin term is rapio. Now, I'm no grammar scholar, believe me, but I've looked up that term, that Latin term, rapio, and do you know, if I talked about, you know, uh, conjugating verbs, that mean anything to you? Like, what? Or, you know, declension of nouns, or the, what, what is that? Well, if you go and find this term rapio, that's a verb in Latin. And then you can find there's raptosum, rapton, whatever, because all these names for the genders and the conjugation, whatever. But it all comes back to that term, rapta or rapio. Now, the Latin, you see, that's the term Jerome used. And when it was brought into English, it came as rapture. Now, what's that term mean? Well, we see it right here, translated, caught up. Caught up. It means to be snatched away. It's the idea of that term. Now, what I want to do for a few moments is I want to show you this term and this experience, in a sense, in other places in the Scripture, so you'll get maybe a little bit more of the flavor of this being caught up being raptured because this is what's going to happen so let me show it to you same term by the way the greek term latin term is rapio for rapture the greek term is harpazo and you might say who cares <laughs> and that's all right but i want you to see this word found in the bible we we see it here translated caught up now hold your place here and go back with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. This is, this is an interesting experience. You might remember that there was an Ethiopian 
eunuch traveling from Jerusalem, heading back home, riding in a chariot. Remember that story? Heard that story? Okay, that's what this is. Acts 8 is about. So here is this guy riding in his chariot, heading home, and God moves Philip to go and join the man in the chariot and talk to him about the Lord. So he finds out that the guy is reading the scripture. He's actually reading from Isaiah 53 in his chariot. So Philip says to him, you know, do you understand what you're reading? No, he said, I don't understand unless somebody would explain it to me. Philip says, well, let me explain it to you. And so Philip tells him about the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to see what happens. So look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, they came into a certain water. The eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, well, I've, I've heard about just being baptized stuff. What, you know, am I allowed to be baptized? Verse 37, Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he believed what he read and heard. So he's, he believes he's ready to get baptized as a testimony of his faith. So look at verse 38. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Watch what happens. Verse 39. When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, look at that next term, caught away. That's harpazo. That's the same term back in 1 Thessalonians 4, caught up. We're going to be caught up. What's it say here? The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. He raptured him. He raptured him. Now, he didn't take them all the way to heaven. The term rapture means snatched away, caught up. So now here's Philip, right, baptizes this guy. And what's it say? The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. All of a sudden, Philip was snatched up. And he goes on and says this, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip was found in Azotus. He ends up in a totally different community. I want you to get that picture. Right? Here they come up out of the water. Guy's been baptized. And all of a sudden, boom! Philip disappears. I guess the unit kind of looked around. Him. What happened to him? But he got in his chariot and went on his way. Philip all of a sudden shows up in the city of Azotus. Say, so you kidding me? No, that's exactly what happened. He was caught up. He was raptured. Now, you and I are talking about a, a greater event, the rapture, when we are taken right to heaven. But here was Philip, caught up, and all of a sudden he ends up in Azotas. Now, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You might be familiar with this testimony of Paul. Verse 1, look what he says. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Now look at this little statement. Whether in the body 
I cannot tell. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. Now, he was actually talking about himself. And he said, I want to tell you about an experience I had over 14 years ago. He said, and when I had this experience, I want to tell you something. I don't know whether I was in my body or out of my body. Now, that's a little strange, right? That's what he says. He goes on. He says, God knoweth, because he didn't know. Such an one. What do you see next? Caught up. There's our word, right? There's our word. Caught up, snatched, raptured. Such an one caught up, raptured, taken up to the third heaven. Now, the third heaven is the abode of God. You and I see the heavens with the clouds, and there's another layer of heaven that seems to be the realm of the angelic beings and so on, and then you get to the third heaven. That's the abode of God. And here's Paul saying, I want to tell you something. Over 14 years ago, I don't know whether I was in the body or out of the body. Only God knows, but I'll tell you this. All of a sudden, I was snatched up right into the third heaven. Verse 3, he said, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was, there it is, caught up, snatched up, raptured into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Isn't that something? Let me show you one more place where we find it. Go to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And I'm not going to get into all the detail of chapter 12, except to say that it has a little section where it talks about the ascension of the Lord Jesus. Now, have any of you ever been to Israel? Okay, someday you'll be there. Someday you'll be there. But in Israel, you have the wonderful city where the temple was. And then there's this valley going out from the eastern gate, this Kidron Valley. And as it begins to climb, right there is what's called the Mount of Olives, this mountain, the Mount of Olives. Now, after the Lord Jesus had ministered to his disciples, he took them out of the city across that valley up to the top of the Mount of Olives. And from there, he ascended into heaven. Acts chapter 1 tells us about it. And the disciples just stood there, and there he went. Whew. He'll be back. <laughs> but there he went. That's brought up here in Revelation chapter 12. Very, very briefly, verse 5 she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child, that's a reference to the Lord Jesus, was, there's our term, right? Caught up, raptured, snatched up, taken up unto God and to his throne. Whew, I love that. I love that. Because that's the term that we have in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's what's going to happen. That's talking about our day. When it's going to be our experience. Just like Philip. Taken up. 
just like Paul. I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. I kind of think you and I would you know, be like that if we went to heaven even right now. I don't know. In the body, I don't know. Here I am. I'm listening. I'm seeing. Whatever. Here I am. The word Jesus taken right up off that mountain to glory. So, verse 17, back in 1 Thessalonians 4. Then we which are alive and remain. Again, that could be you. I'm getting older, but I hope it's me. I hope it's Jim. Because he's older than me. (laughs) Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. There's our term. Together with them in the clouds. Now those clouds aren't the clouds you and I see in the sky. That term means the gatherings, the clouds. You know who it is? It's the clouds of people. We're going to have these people who were raised from the dead, have their new bodies. Then all of a sudden you and I are going to be taken up. And in the moment that we are taken up, we are going to be changed and transformed to get our new body And all of a sudden, there's going to be a gathering of all the believers from the church age meeting the Lord in the air. And with him, we're going to go back to heaven. So it says to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I want to ask you two questions. First question. If that event happened today, what would happen to you? Would you go? Would you be one of the ones snatched up? It's going to happen. Would you be one of them? Because if you're not sure, say, I'm not sure. Well, we want you to Know for sure. And the way you know for sure is to recognize that in ourselves we are sinners and we all deserve to go to hell. And some of us are worse sinners than others, but it doesn't matter whether you're a big sinner or a little sinner. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. Everybody misses the mark. Nobody is perfect. We need a Savior. And so we claim Christ, we take Christ as our Savior. You don't hope in anything else. You might say, oh, I was baptized when I was little. Me too, I was baptized as a baby. And then my my mother became a Roman Catholic and I became a Roman Catholic as a kid and I was baptized as a Roman Catholic too. I mean, I should be covered, right? I mean, boy, oh boy. I always say sprinkled, poured, and dipped because I also got baptized once I got saved. And so I had the sprinkling and the pouring and the dip. And you know what? None of it did me any good when it comes to knowing God. So you say, yeah, but I was baptized. I can't do anything for you. Only Jesus Christ can save your soul and change your life. And that's for everybody. He died for everybody. If you say, "I, I have that settled. I know that. And if this event takes place, you'll be included. If you have not trusted Christ, you will be left behind. 
and the movement of the world today, the wickedness, the sinfulness, the movement of the nations, things going on in Israel, all the things that we're seeing happening around us are a testimony that he is coming back and it could be any moment. And again, if you sit here today and say, well, I'm not sure. You need to make sure. You can make sure. You can make sure before you leave this place. Then I want to go another direction for just a moment. What about those you know and love who will be left behind? If it took place today, what about those? Those that you care about but you've never talked to. You've prayed for them but you've never witnessed to them. You've never given them the gospel track. You've never gotten them to a place like this where they could hear the gospel. What about them? There won't be any advance notice. Nothing that's going to come and say, it'll be tomorrow. No. It'll happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. What about you? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. I see young people here. I see older people here. And I just want to share with you as your eyes are closed and maybe you can just think about these things. I got saved when I was 18. I'm so glad. I'd gone to church all my life. When I was real little, we were Methodists, and as I said, my mom became a Roman Catholic. When she married my stepfather, I became a Roman Catholic. I became an older boy. I was in the Catholic Church every Sunday at 11 o'clock Mass, serving as an older boy. But listen, I was on my way to hell. And thankfully, at age 18, I get into a setting like this where the Bible was preached, and I realized that according to the Bible, church would do me no good. Trying to be a good guy would do me no good. I needed Jesus Christ. And that night, I asked God to save me because Jesus died for me. And if you're here today and you say, well, I've never done that. Listen, you need to do that. You can do that. And if you say, well, I need to do that, then I want you to know that I want to pray for you. And I want to tell you, I'm going to ask you in a moment to just raise your hand. But I want to tell you this. I will not embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to point you out or anything like that. But I want to pray for you. And I want you to get this settled if it's not settled. And so as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. And you would say, Brother Griffith, the truth is, I am not settled on this. I am not sure I am saved, but I care and I want to get it settled. If that's you, with nobody looking around, I'm looking, nobody else, you just slip your hand up. I, again, I will not point you out or embarrass you, but just slip your hand up. And you're telling me, I'm not sure, but I want to make sure I want to get saved. Anybody like that here this morning? Anybody like that? Nobody can do it for you, and you cannot do it for anybody else. It's very, very personal. 
you and the Lord. Anybody? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Now, nobody's looking around, but I want the person who raised their hand just to look at me for a moment. Just look at me for a minute. Will you do that? It's okay. I want you to get it settled today. And so I would like you to be willing to maybe talk to somebody who can answer any questions for you. Now, if in your heart you're saying, I, I need that, I want to get this settled, then I want you to just say where you are after the service. And we'll have somebody talk to you, but I'm not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot. We care about you very, very much. You're here today and you say, I am saved. I am sure. If Jesus Christ came today, I know I'm going. I just want you to think then, what about mom, dad, children, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents, who you know, if it did happen today, they would be left behind. What will we do to reach them? And I want to challenge you with this, that you'll leave here today with this determination. I am going to do something to reach them. I'm going to talk to them or write to them or send them something. Because it'll be tragic if they're left behind. Our Father, we pray for your help and your blessing. We thank you for loving us. We know we don't deserve your love, but you love us. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus died for us, all of us. But we also know that we need, each need to respond personally to what he did. He died for the world, but the world is not going to heaven. We know it's only those who personally trust him. I pray for the one that lifted the hand. And I pray you would move in that heart and bring that person to the place where they can get this settled today. In their own heart, their own mind, or in talking to someone. And we thank you for it. I'm going to close my prayer in just a moment, but I want to say this again to that, that person. You don't have to be with anybody to get saved. And you can simply talk to God and you tell him, God, I know I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. And I want to claim him as my own savior. Please save me. Those are my words. You can use those words. But I want you to know God will save you when he sees that tender heart that claims Jesus Christ. I want you to do that. I hope you will. Father, please bless us. 
as we leave here today. I pray that you'll regather us tonight. Let us rejoice in the truth of your word. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Soldiers of Christ Arise, and uh, sometime during the singing of that, we can have Dr. Griffith and his wife go in the back and greet people as they leave. M659. Soldiers of Christ Arise, and put your armor on Strong in the strength which God supplies Through His eternal Son Strong in the Lord of hosts And in His mighty power Who in the strength of Jesus trusts is more than conqueror. Stand then in his great might with all his strength endued and take to arm you for the fight the panoply of God that having all things Dismissed.